Oh, it's recording. Hi! Hi, Christine. Welcome to another episode of Rainbow Nation. Yay! Okay, so I'm just going to try something here and I hope this works. Alright, so this is our first episode where we are going to Skype our guest in. Okay, cross your fingers. Here we go. Ooh, I know that sound really well. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad you're joining us tonight. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so we we just started our, our recording the podcast, and I just we just made the 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 Skype call. So hopefully this is working. I guess what I can move this closer to sure. the mic, maybe. Okay, so um, our our guest this week is Jean Baptiste. Is that correct? Yes, it is. We said everything correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just didn't want to like you know embarrass myself as I usually do. So I'm Russell. I'm Christine, and our guest is Jean Baptiste from Prince George. Prince George, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for for having me here. Yeah, okay. Um, so um, I just kind of heard f- of you f- through Christine here. Maybe you can introduce yourself to the rest of our podcast audience. Absolutely. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jean-Baptiste. My pronouns are... Oh, those are my dishes in the background. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my pronouns are he, him, his. They are not dishes clashing. That is not a pronoun. And I am the regional community network coordinator for the Northern Region with Transcare BC. Wow, that's awesome. Super awesome. Mm-hmm. I've actually been making a mistake because I thought it was Trans Health BC. So oh. maybe I... <laughs> sorry, I've been saying it wrong. <laughs> but um, oh, that's cool. Have, now, have, has your organization been in Prince Rupert previously? We have been. So Transcare BC, it's a program funded through Provincial Health Services Authority, and we've been operational, I think, for going on four years now, which is pretty fantastic. And yeah, I've been to Prince Rupert, oh, geez, I want to say within the last couple months, like within the last six months for sure. And some of our other coworkers have been to Prince Rupert to do other things, I think, with Callout and other programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have done some work with Kyle and Lau. And I know I met you, Jean, in the airport, and we've had quite a few email exchanges. But um, I'm very, very impressed with TransCare BC. It's, it's been amazing for youth in the North, for me as a teacher and just learning about um, different things in queer queer life. It's been super helpful. Uh, that's fantastic to hear. It's, it's still such a fledgling program and my position has only been, uh, well, it was created in, oh geez, May of 2017. So all of this is really new and it's uh, such groundbreaking work that it's so incredible to, to be a part of. Right, yeah, like you're at the the very genesis or the, the the starting of something like pretty, pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So my my work is also uh, super new. So for those who aren't familiar with Transcare BC, 
Uh, it's a we, we look at coordinating uh, healthcare or gender affirming services across the province. And me specifically, I generally look at peer and community supports. So in kind of a very broad, general sweeping way, I help people to consciously create community. And in the North, we're in such a interesting place where uh, generally the towns are smaller, the people want to gather very naturally or isolate. So it's, yeah, it's all new and really exciting. Yeah, no kidding. So when you were here in Prince Rupert, I'm just curious because I work in, uh, I work for the the Gitmakamaka Nishka Society and we take care of the Nishka Hall rentals. Mm-hmm. And and I I came across a rental or I was helping setting up a rental, I think, for TransCare BC. And I was just if, like, are there other organizations or are you the only one like this so far? Like that travels throughout the right. province and throughout the north? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was for our Indigenous engagement. I was up there with uh, Kyle Shaughnessy and it was myself who were there. As far as I know, we are the only government-funded organization that looks at gender-affirming care in Canada. Um don't quote me on that because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> like we, we do a lot, a lot of firsts, but uh, across Canada, like I'm sure there's other little pockets of people doing really fantastic work. But um, yeah, I think we, when we say that we're a provincial program, like we definitely really, really try and make it as far reaching as we can. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I know when parents uh, approach me and, and they have, you know, a youth who has just come out or is identifying as trans. Um, you're one of the first uh, stops that I recommend to parents that they go to the website and check out what's available or, or make contact with um, you or Kyle. And also for me, like I've learned a lot, a lot of new things um, just going through the website. And I, I think it's a really good resource. And I also think it's fantastic that you've already been up here and um, are just seeing, you know, smaller towns in the north and some of the positives and challenges that we face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess we will roll into maybe our little segment on quending. Yes. And then we will <laughs> get to know you a little bit better. So we do um, a little segment of queer trending or quending as Christine has coined it. (laughs) So maybe you can help us out here. But um, Christine has some topics she would like to talk about. So I was looking at The Advocate today and I'm very excited about a new movie coming out. It's called Boy Erased. Um, It's about conversion therapy and the story of a young man whose parents sent him away to... um, to, to help him not be gay. Um, oh, wow. But Troy Sivon, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his <laughs> name right. All I know is that the youth that I work with are pretty crazy about this young man. He released a video today and um, it's called Relevation and it, it looks really good. Like it shows oh, wow. parts of the movie. Um, so yeah, I was just super excited about that. And When is it coming out? Do you know? Like I think it's... Like 
I don't know if it's actually out already, but I think it is coming quite quickly. So nice. Yeah, I actually don't know the release date. That's asking too much of me, Russell. (laughs) Um, And then the other shocking thing I learned today was um, the clothing company Diesel. I don't know if you've heard about this, Sean, but they have created quite the controversy with their hate clothing line that... um, has some pretty disturbing jackets and clothes that say very derogatory things. Um, And it went pretty crazy on Twitter with people really challenging Diesel about what they're doing because Mm -hmm. they have clothing that says faggot and really hateful words. Um, Even some celebrities endorsed it. So um, Diesel's slogan was the more hate you wear, the less you care. But I actually think this has totally flipped on them because the public is obviously not liking it. Right. Um, And, yeah, so it was just interesting to be aware about that campaign. It kind of sounds like they're, well, Diesel, like, I I don't know how how popular diesel is anymore maybe this is just like a a shock value kind of that's what i kind of wondered like if this was just a shock campaign and i don't know but i think someone's gonna get fired (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that just sounds like a bad idea yeah that yeah that's like when d squared did their squaw line did you ever see that Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I saw that. Horrible. And, you know, it's so sad because I think the fashion industry has such such great potential and they have done so many incredible things for the community because, mm-hmm. you know, really it's one of the only industries in the world where uh, where queer people and women really are at the front lines of it. Right, and, exactly. And are running major fashion houses and they are the ones that are blending what is androgyny and... Uh, changing our perceptions of bodies and how this works. So I think that there's, I don't know, whenever it comes to any fashion labels, whenever there's anything to do with clothing, there's such an incredible space that they can step into right? to really push the boundaries and to really be so progressive. For but, sure. you know, it's it's when they try and be trendy through uh, things that are hateful or, I don't know, like I'm always really cautious when when big companies try to really try to market this reclamation movement. Yeah. And it's something that, yeah, yeah. It's something that I'm always really suspicious of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a quick money grab almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't know who would buy it, but I I think too, people are more into positive messages and advocacy. At least I think that's where we're heading and, and I just don't, think this is gonna fly at all yeah like i remember being like grade nine grade ten and like just drooling over like the the guest ads that came out with claudia schiffer mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that you're taking us back yeah yeah, taking us, yeah. <laughs> 1989 1990 you know uh, but no like you know what you're saying about the, they have such potential you know mm-hmm. that that really framed my my kind of um idea of what cool was or what you know um like black and white stark photography and this and that and to have something come across with like a faggot trying to be like a shock value thing just seems kind of desperate to me yeah it's going the wrong way diesel 
Yes. So that is my quending. Boo Diesel. Boo Diesel. So back to business. <laughs> um, so Jean, I was just curious, what does trans health or trans care, sorry, BC offer to young people? Like what, can you tell us a little bit more about the program? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, oh geez, there's, there's so much. With our, with our peer and community side of things, we really, uh, also I'm going to say like I'm based full time in the Blue Pine Clinic, which houses the Northern Gender Clinic. And so that's really the largest hub. Um, but our, I think primarily like the only hub in the North where people can uh, get access to gender affirming care in the sense of like hormone assessments, surgical assessments, that kind of thing. And we're seeing that the uh, trans, two-spirit, and gender-diverse population is really, really young, like 25 and younger. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's this um, its this huge population of youth that are really questioning themselves and the society and, and you know all of these constraints, which is really wonderful. And now the adults and all of us who are in this healthcare structure, really we're trying to figure out how do we best support them? Mm-hmm. And that looks like, um, oh, geez, I'm trying to think. Well, for me, I support a lot of youth groups and, you know, supporting the leaders who also, you know, aren't necessarily that much older anyways. Like I'm 26 and a lot of the community leaders that are up and coming really are my age. So it's helping people to step into the leadership roles and recognize mentorship opportunities because we have so many trans, G-spirit, and gender diverse youth. It's how do we prepare them to take over the next generation of, of these communities? And so that's kind of the, the peer and community side of things. With uh, primary care, it's, I can't speak to that as much. I don't know as much about it. But, you know, I think that when we listen to youth and when we hear them talk about um, transitioning, when we hear about them wanting to access medical services, wanting to talk about like Lupron and starting T or being on est- uh, to, uh, estrogen or access surgeries, like we need to have processes in place where they feel comfortable having those conversations and that they feel safe. And not just for the children and youth, but for their parents and families as well. Because, mm -hmm, like, these kids got to go home. Yeah. And and I learned a couple of new things just while you were talking there. Um, That's where I think the the real exciting work is happening, too, is where, you know, we're not just working with the youth. We're working with the families, too. Like, I... I get contacted by parents who are just trying to get through the process and and help their their kids, but also they need some support too. So I think the Northern Gender Clinic is awesome, and and just ha- being able to have this resource and and email you and and talk to people at Transcare, it's it's huge. It's it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned something else too, like, can you describe the process for kids who are going, who are transitioning? Like, how do 
you hear about the young people or, or are they often referred to you? Like, I'm just curious, you know, if, if there's a family out there, how would they access this support? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. It's, it's an ever evolving answer, honestly. It's, and really it's, it's so up to what the child wants and the, the needs of the child and the needs of the family usually are incredibly different. Mm-hmm. There's times when I've been on the phone in, in the clinic and a uh, parent will call and say, hey, you know, my, my child is talking like this. They're saying these things and I don't really understand, like, what services do you offer? Uh, what does an appointment look like? Those kinds of things. Whereas for children and youth, it's finding a space where they can just tell you who they are. Yeah. And sometimes it can be as simple as that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. And kids are just these really magical little beings mm-hmm. where they, they know themselves. And I find that they are so okay with being in the process with us. Mm-hmm. And knowing that sometimes you don't always know what the process is. Uh, you know, if youth want to access Lupron or access uh, hormone um, hormones, then it's a conversation with their care provider. If the youth wants to access a safe space in their school or in their uh, library or in their community, or if they want to find a place online and explore in that way because they don't feel like their community is safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is so multifaceted. Mm-hmm. in so many different ways and it varies per location as well and unfortunately we in the north we have over i don't know i want to say it's like over six hundred thousand square kilometers in this health authority oh my gosh and wow yeah it is huge no so kidding. when we have kids you know hypothetically or like actually in every single community in the north unfortunately we're not going to have the same uh accessibility Mm-hmm. to peer community supports, to primary care, to uh, surgical. Like, we don't even have the same access to internet or running water. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So it is so dependent on their contacts and what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's very interesting work, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think has changed in the North in terms of, you know, dealing with trans health and, you know, queer life. Um, I don't know if you can speak to what it was like for you growing up and then what you think about the North now. Like, I think it's really evolving and changing, but um, I don't know if that's just my point of view and it'd be good to hear what you think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I... I started, oh geez, back when I was in high school, this was when sexual orientation was super, super trendy. And there was lots of information we had. uh, So I was born and raised in Prince George. Okay. And in high school, we, I went to PGSS and we started the first GSA back in the day, Gay Straight Alliance. (laughs) I think we all started that way. (laughs) The Gay Straight Alliance. You know, oh my God, it's so, <laughs> so old school now. But realistically, <laughs> that was less than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so when I was, I don't know, I think I was like 16 and I 
actually met my first trans person when I was in high school. So I had identified as a lesbian. I identified as like this queer person, but there was no education. There was no language. And I came across this indigenous uh, trans person or, or gender variant. I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure how, how they identified, mm-hmm. but this, as soon as I met this person, I was like, Oh my God. And my mind was blown because I, I could see in someone else something that I had felt inside me. Wow. And mm-hmm, yeah, like I really wish I like I can't even remember this person's name, but I hope someone somewhere is like, oh, yeah, I recognize that story of like this. <laughs> random person. That's like about 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> mm, so, you know, there was no language. There wasn't really. Um, yeah, there really wasn't much, but as soon as I sort of recognized that I was some kind of gender variant and I didn't really understand what that was really until university mm-hmm. and I got connected with the Northern Pride Center Society and with a whole bunch of other people who were queer, there were trans folk, there were uh, non-binary folk and, you know, I really got to be exposed to so many different ways of being and you know it took me years years to figure out and process just because there was a lack of access mm-hmm. to too much really and I was so so lucky that I was able to attend um, UNBC because out in the general community there was uh, PG Pride and the Northern Pride Center Society and it was only the PC that really shared a lot of information. So as the years have gone by, and and also like when I started transitioning this, that was during a time when it really was the wild west of trans health because it wasn't really a set process. There wasn't uh, hormone assessors. There weren't really surgical assessors like there were, but it was a really convoluted process. Mm-hmm. And this was a time where people came out with really intense horror stories about their care. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard people having to sit in what looked like an interrogation room with a mic and a two-way mirror with people uh, watching them to see whether they could prove that they were trans. Wow. Oh but God. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so when I was in university and I was really looking forward to having top surgery, I was really looking forward to being able to medically transition. Mm-hmm. I have you meet the DSM criteria. And so I don't know whether this is something that's still in my medical records, but there's a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And my original referral actually was a DSM-2 diagnosis of some kind of psychosexual disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really so unfortunate. Like, I, I think that's changed now, but it's so unfortunate that that's the route it okay. used to be, right? And it's a lot to accept and and now I, I think it's just looked at so differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And during, I don't know, I think it was actually during my very early 20s, I detransitioned because the medical system was that traumatizing for me. Really? It was that terrible. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to validate myself and I'm not going to allow the, the medical community to take that away from me. Wow. And... Yeah, so now, 
now I work for healthcare. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, everything has changed so much mm-hmm. to prove that you're trans, prove to me that you fit this idea to tell me who you are and what is the journey that we can create together to help you be who you are. Mm-hmm. And so empowering and you know really and not to say that the medical system is perfect it's not Mm -hmm. but coming from a place of I've been you know actively medically transitioning for probably the last seven seven or so years it has drastically changed and it's really an honor to to see that uh and hold that historical knowledge yeah I I think it's interesting, too, because you've seen such big change and because of, you know, people like you who have gone through this process, you've essentially made it better for young people now who are are facing, you know, a similar journey that that you face because the walls have been pushed, you know, and and the advocation and, and all of that stuff has been changing. And it's just interesting to hear your story for sure. Yeah. And the cool thing is, well, the interesting thing too, is I'm not actually that old, like being oh. 26, mm-hmm. it's still, still a millennial. And <laughs> it's, uh, and really the, the people who I'm meeting and talking to, I'm not that much older than, yeah. and the people who are, uh, coming out later in life. And, you know, now they're saying that this is the time that they feel safe or feel okay to transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're also not necessarily that much older than me as well. But even looking back on on our history, like Russell and I came out at a, at a similar time. So 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much has changed, you know. Right. And now I feel like this year in 2018, we're finally seeing LGBT big roles on television, you know, and we're seeing progression with trans health and, and kids are braver and, and things are feeling more secure. So that's a long timeline too, right? Yeah. And not just like in the big cities either. It's like in small, small towns like yeah. Port or, yeah. you know, slightly larger cities like Prince George. Yeah. That... And you just posted today on PR Pride about um, the Heisla Nation yeah, yeah. having a Rainbow. A rainbow crosswalk which i think is huge i know there's stuff happening in the nas valley too so all of this is super positive and and it's about creating you know safe atmospheres for 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 everyone Mm -hmm. so um just flipping to uh another topic uh, my other burning question for you was who were your queer idols when you were growing up or even now Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. There's so many. Uh, <laughs> someone who uh, really early in my advocacy, I really leaned a lot on his work was uh, Dean Spade. And he's a trans lawyer who uh, really gave a really good perspective on on my activism and the role of human rights and the roles of, of legislation and um, how how the movement and how it's actually people that are driving the movements rather than pieces of paper that sit in a government body. Right. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so back, back in the day, uh, <laughs> less than five years ago, 
<laughs> uh, I was I was over in East Africa and I was doing some work with some NGOs there. And I, what's, what's I in- got to meet some of the most incredible people that I've ever met in my entire life um, through this organization called Jinsiangu. And, you know, this was during a time when it was uh, the Kill the Gay Bill was very active in Uganda. Um, and this was, and there was this big roundtable discussion in Nairobi and Kenya. And there were representatives from all over East Africa, from Tanzania up to Rwanda and Burundi. Um, there were WPATH representatives. And uh, I just kind of sat in as like this really, really young activist. And it's it really changed my perspective. And it gave me so much more... Hmm. Like it took me out of being this trans person from from really privileged Canada where I have, um, I'm also indigenous and have status. And so I have access to certain types of healthcare, uh, mental health support. And I really got to see um, such a bigger perspective. Right. And, mm-hmm, and it was really, really incredible because during my travels, I decided to not take my hormones with me. I decided to dress more femininely for my safety I was just and, going to ask that. I was just going to ask if you had to change how you dressed while you were traveling there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the folks who I met were are strong, some of the strongest people who I've known because despite everything that was happening, they still were honoring themselves. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was really incredible to see. And nowadays, um, it's... And it's going to sound so cheesy, but, you know, I fully, I fully accept it, is the people who are the activists who will never get recognized. You know, like, it, it, to me, it's very easy to be in a spotlight and talk about trans rights and to be incredible activists if you're, like, Laverne Cox. And mm-hmm. if you are, you know, if you're immersed in, uh, immersed in the limelight. But it's the people who who will never get recognized. It's the people who just make things a little bit better for their community or do the smallest actions that make the biggest impact that really, to me, show the most character. Right, for sure. Like like, like you said, those people who who are honoring themselves who, who may never get known. Mm-hmm. You used an acronym there when you first started talking. I think you said NGO? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what is what is that? So NGO is is oh geez non government organization. Okay. So in, yeah yeah so in Canada North America we have nonprofits but in most of the rest of the world they have NGOs. Okay, I just the curious part of me had to know that answer. Um, you've done so much. No kidding! Oh my goodness. Yeah, like that's a whole other podcast talking about your your travel over there. No kidding. How, I'm sorry, how long ago was that? Oh, geez, I had to have been like nine, uh, maybe like 19 or 20. So maybe 21. So yeah, like mm, five, six years ago now. Wow, that was amazing. Very, very cool. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to head over to... Okay, so um, I, my questions are not so... Um, 
and late Nina's Christine's. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so it, it's it's fall, it's autumn, it's November, it's dreary, and typically it's like a hibernation month, as it were. So um, for for me, I'm I'm a Netflixer. I love you know streaming all Netflix series and stuff like that. So I'm just curious. Do you have any recommendations for me that I can binge on? For Netflix? Yes. Or, or any any other kind of service or any series that I can then see through and look up. Ooh. Oh. Mm. Oh, geez. I, I'm actually a horror movie fan. I Nice. Am, <laughs> yes. Yes. Avid horror movie junkie. Uh, there is... Oh, I'm on my phone, so I can't look it up. There's a new horror TV show on... Netflix. Well, one there was a haunting. Which I was just going to is say, really, isn't it really called the Haunt? The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, yes, that one. Oh my oh, gosh! It's I. I just good. finished it. It is so good. I love it. It, it it's, oh. it's not even so much the horror. It's like the story behind it. It's so compelling. Netflix, mm. if you're listening right now, this is the <laughs> second time we've pumped you up as a network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. My son is on my back so much about letting him watch it. I still haven't done it. No. Like, I'm I'm just trying not to well, cave. Well, it's like a PG-13 version. Oh, believe me. His little buddies are watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I'm going to have to cave soon. Really? Yeah. Any other I'm recommendations so- out there? From oh, you, geez. John. I should, I should also say that I have a really terrible memory. Uh, <laughs> anyone who knows me, I cannot remember names worth anything. Okay. But I want to say, I want to say there's a movie called, uh, and also these are not going to be queer related whatsoever, just because I really love horror. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, it's called The Dark, maybe. It's okay. this horror movie, but it integrates, it's starring Kevin Bacon. Uh and it integrates First Nations spirituality into, into it. And also not just the mythical spiritual characters, but also uh, the way that they sort of cleanse it. And that really was the first time that I saw uh, something that is not, you know, based in Roman Catholicism that was a solution to these really incredible situations. Wow. Okay, so yeah. it, it's called The Dark yeah, something like that. It's like the dark or the darkening, something like that. Also, okay. if you Google Kevin Bacon, I'm sure you'll be able to find it quite easily. Okay, I'm looking up on Kevin Anthony. Bacon, Footloose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? Footloose to like horror movies. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, don't, I loved his, his one series that he did on like network TV called The Following. I don't know if you ever saw that or not, but that was really good too. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just Googling Kevin Bacon right now to see what it's actually called. Darkness? I think I think the darkness might be spot on. Okay. I think these are all too scary for The Darkness. Me to watch. There you go, yeah. The Darkness oh, 2016. Yay. Okay, now now uh, on the flip side, can you recommend any books if if you're if you're a reader or if you can just suggest something? Um, just to let you know, the last book I read was People Magazine, so any kind of book would be any kind of book would be a good one. We just lost a lot of book club followers. <laughs> uh, I'm also really, really terrible at reading books, but I can recommend some really good academic articles because I'm that cool. <laughs> awesome. 
awesome. Uh, Michelle Cameron, uh, some of her work has recently crossed my desk talking about uh, Two-Spirit ideologies and uh, cultural appropriation of the word Two-Spirit, which was really, really fantastic. And Sarah Hunt, who also has done some really incredible work uh, researching and then releasing a whole bunch of papers about Two-Spirit, what does it mean, the cultural context, and the healthcare outcomes. Oh my gosh, wow. that does sound really mm-hmm. interesting. I'm so glad I'm recording recording this because I've, like, I already forgot what you said for the, the <laughs> names. So I, I have to write it down to, like, you know, for it to register in my brain, but I'll definitely mm-hmm. be looking that up. One thing I actually wanted to ask you was, um, do you see, like, how can I frame this question properly? Um, what do you see the differences between indigenous, trans, and everything else? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this actually is one of my favorite topics. It gets me really nerdy because uh, <laughs> I actually studied back in back in university. Uh, I studied uh, indigenous reincarnation and two spirit pedagogy, oh and. Yeah, so being being indigenous and my identity as someone who's two-spirited and my identity as someone who's uh, a trans male are are very very separate. And with and through trans BC and, and you know through my connection with Kyle Shaughnessy, we've gone to different communities, we've done indigenous engagement sessions and, and had these really cool conversations about where do these stories lie in our communities and how um, how does this fit? within our nations mm-hmm. and it's it's so nation specific and in like the north kind of uh for me it's located so much more within our gender roles so with um so there's you know just the general gender binary so male female that's really located within um within western train of thought and being trans is just means going from one to the other, you know, being transgender. It's like an adjective. Right. So, so it still can exist within that binary. Um, and so it's really fantastic that now we're, we're having evolving language where we're able to be really inclusive to non-binary folks and gender variant folks. But being two-spirit is so located within a cultural context where we have these really fantastic governance systems that are based on um, our names and passing on our names and reincarnation and um, not just, not just having male or female or other, but there were always at least three to six or seven different gender roles within our nations already. Like within Dalkath, the language that's spoken around Prince George and a little bit more North Central, mm-hmm. uh, the language primarily is gender neutral. Wow. So when you would say like um, um, that person over there who's going for a walk, <laughs> it would literally be that person over there. Right. There was no he, there was no she. Uh, you can put in their name or your kinship to them. Wow. But the language itself is so gender neutral, and it allowed for so much uh, a wider range of of gender identities, expressions, and based in a gender role that you held within your community. That is awesome. Wow, I'm 
I think we're going to have to call you back for a part two <laughs> because there's so many things to discuss. Very interesting. That is awesome. Um, I, I actually have like, would like to ask more, but yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. Um, my, sorry, my head's just swimming with everything that you were just talking about. What's the most, I, I'm going to interject on you. Sorry. Um, What's the best story you have experienced like through your work or can you think of a really moving moment or time where you where you think your work has really made a difference for somebody out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh geez. Mm. It's kind of a big question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or just like in passing where you just kind of saw like a change in someone or even a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think, you know, and, and this is, this is actually an experience I keep going back to uh, over and over again, just over, um, over the while I've been in this position is, and this isn't related to work at all. But I, I'm an avid dog lover. I am a shameless dog dad. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Same awesome. here. Same here. <laughs> shout out to all those dog dads out there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Shout out to dog dads. <laughs> they all have sweaters. It's fine. Um, but I used to have this, this really big pit bull. Her name was River. And uh, she was a fantastic dog. She passed away about a, about a year and a half ago. Aww. But... I used to take her to the dog park and there's an off-leash dog park in Prince George called, called Ginter's. And I will go there quite frequently. And uh, like, I know I'm queer looking. <laughs> That's never something I can walk away from. I, <laughs> um, I'm also just very flamboyant and I'm an extrovert. So a lot of my movements and the way I do things are very loud um, so really there's just like no hiding this queerness whatsoever. Right. Um, and I have a very non-binary expression. So people already are like, no, oh, what's going on? But so I, so yeah, we were at the dog park and I was walking my dog and there just happened to be this youth there. And, you know, he was really interested in my dog. They were playing together and he looks at me and he's like, are you transgender? And I was like, Yes, yes, I am. He's like, oh, my God, me too. Wow. In the middle of this dog park, just because we happen to run into each other. And it's, yeah, you know, it's just those, um, just the power of visibility. Right. And that's that's a privilege that I know I have is, uh, you know, I get to walk and I get to talk and I get to be who I am without... Um, without much consequence right mm-hmm. so having that visibility is also something that i take very seriously in going into smaller communities or living in prince george or just existing in the north is um is i get to flag that to other people and there are these moments where people are like oh my god you're the first trans person i've met in person yeah or those it's huge <laughs> mm-hmm, of like are you transgender me too Right, yeah, and, I'm yeah. Mm-hmm, Like, and knowing and growing up in Prince George and knowing that those can be really rare opportunities, 
is to be able to participate in that and to participate in that moment with someone else who, you know, I, I get so much out of those experiences and I'm sure that they do as well. And it's always just, just an honor. No kidding. That sounds amazing. Yeah. No, I remember the first time, um, I saw like a lesbian couple and they had two young children and they, we looked at each other. We were, I think we were in a mall or something and I had my son with me and, and he's from the U S and he's African American and they had two, it was a Caucasian couple and they had two, um, African kids and we just kind of gave each other the head nod, (laughs) but it was like heart. We had like this heartwarming moment, moment, just, yeah. You know, having similar families and it's it's such a great feeling. We have like a brief connection of just like, I see you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast tonight. And I look forward to meeting up with you again. I hope you can come up again and, and host um, some sessions up in Prince Rupert again. We would love to have you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I should disclaim at the end of this is uh, the, the views that I've expressed in this interview are not indicative of the organization. <laughs> I feel obligated because. <laughs> no, we totally uh, appreciate you um, taking the time to, to talk with us tonight. So it's awesome. So, okay. So the other thing that we do is we normally take a selfie with the person. So this is going to be kind of a challenge. Um <laughs> <laughs> so after we end our podcast, um, maybe we can, even if we just um, FaceTime on like over our cell phone and Christine can take a picture with that or something. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Okay. All right. okay. Thank you. Oh, we got a high five. High five. High five. Woo! High five. Air five. five air five. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> okay. We'll call you back. <laughs> okay. We'll call you back in two minutes here.